Welcome back to the Average to Savage Show with Scaletti, a podcast that will help you overcome your limiting beliefs, setbacks, and fears to create the life you were destined to live. Matt Scaletti, back to you with a very special guest. This is my good friend, Connor Claffey. Connor is a lover of the outdoors and all things health and fitness. He is a former American Ninja Warrior athlete, and he hiked the entire Appalachian Trail in 2022. You're going to hear that story and how long of a trail this is. And he is constantly looking for new adventures and different ways to challenge himself. Connor, my man, welcome, my friend. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. Good to see you, man. I can't wait. I We got a chance to chop it up a bit before we recorded, and this guy is a complete stud. <laughs> We'll get into all that fun, but tell us, like, before American Ninja Warrior, before the Appalachian Trail, what, how did you get into all this? Have you always been an extreme athlete? What's the backstory of Connor? Yeah, never a lot of the extreme athletic stuff. Uh, I grew up playing baseball pretty much year round. You know, spring was baseball season, summer ball, fall ball, and then the winter was batting practice and getting ready for the next baseball season. Um, did that through high school. Um, and then when I got to college, it was kind of like, all right, what's what's the next thing? What am I going to do? And uh, freshman, sophomore year, I was just kind of blazing around doing the living the college life. Um, and then my sophomore year, I saw this TV show, American Ninja Warrior, and thought, all right, that looks awesome. That looks like a lot of fun. I think I might be good at that. Started looking around, saw that there was a gym about 20 minutes from campus. Um, and this this was right at the end of sophomore year. So I went home for the summer, came back with my car junior year, started going to this ninja gym. Um, and from the first session, I was like, yeah, this is this is what I need to be doing. This is the next thing. And um, yeah, from there, everything's kind of just been building. That got me into the obstacle course world. So I started doing Spartan races, things like that. And everything's been building there from there to uh, where I'm at now. So this was your junior year. What year was that? That was 2015, 2016. Okay. So you start, so how long did it take you from learning and going to that gym before going on to the American Ninja Warrior? It was, it was a few years before I actually got on the show. Um, mainly because when I first started, I was, I think like 19 years old and the age limit was 21 at the time. Um, <laughs> and then Besides that, the application process for Ninja Warrior is, um, it's, it's interesting. They don't, because it's a TV show, there's no like physical tryout or anything. It's just an online application. Hey, here's who I am. They're, they're looking for somebody they can kind of build a story around. Um, and just being a college kid who trained at a Ninja Jam, there wasn't anything super compelling, I guess, at the time. And uh, so I got... Telling yourself short. You're upsetting me right now. But, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah. So then eventually once I, once I left Boston and came to, to New York to get a new job, um, that job they found interesting and I was invited onto the show at that point. So that was, uh, 2019. Okay. So that's cause it's funny. Cause you and I have both been on there and I knew that I had nowhere near the athleticism of people like you. So I had to play up the entertainment side because yep. like, the athletic side, you were doing the opposite. I'm sure. <laughs> Showing how athletic you are. So it took three years from day one in the gym to going on to the show. 
yeah, I think that's that's probably about the the right time frame. And then, so what point during was it like day one of going to that gym? You're like, I love this. I want to be on American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, pretty much. Like first time on a salmon ladder, like jumping up. It was yeah. This is this is where I need to be. This is going to be a thing for a while. And and what was it like every day you go to that gym? I I you can't. Well, I couldn't do every day at first just because tendonitis becomes a factor. Just your shoulders and elbows, joints, uh, joints are definitely a thing. But I was I was going three or four times a week for sure, and um, it definitely helped me then too because I wasn't I wasn't loving the the college experience. I guess I never like drank in high school, and then getting to college, it was just like this new thing, just kind of thrust upon you to be social. Um, and then I found that. And all of a sudden, my Friday nights were like, okay, cool. I'm going to the Ninja Gym and I'm going to go hang out there. And then Saturdays and Sundays, I started working at the gym, doing like birthday parties and stuff. So my weekends were uh, were Ninja and it was it was good. You know what? I'm so glad you share that. And for anyone that's younger listening or watching this, please listen to Connor and not me because I did the opposite. Like I went all in on drinking and I feel like you you broke that stereotype of you don't have to go to college and just drink every Friday night. Like you can do something that's you clearly fell in love with and it's, it's driven a big part of your lifestyle, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very, very thankful. I found it at that time because it's it quickly became a huge part of my identity. Yeah. I, I love it. So, so you get accepted in what was that? 2017, 18, 2019. I was on. Yeah. So what happens when they call you and they're like, so that, that was four plus years from day one. Like you had been prepping physically, mentally, endurance, all that stuff. Like what, what was it like when they called you and what happened? It's a, uh, it's a little moment of disbelief. There's this, uh, there's this joke in the Ninja community because you, everybody kind of knows around when calls are going to go out for that season. It's usually like a month before they start filming at that location. So it was kind of right in that time frame, and you wait for they call it the eight one eight to pop up, which is the area code for Los Angeles, um, where casting goes out of. Um, and I got out of the shower and I saw that I had a missed call from eight one eight, and I was like, oh, like heart just like started fluttering. It was like, oh my god, like called him back immediately, and it was like, yeah, the the guy was like joking with me. He's like, hey man, don't you know when you get a call from eight one eight, you pick up, and uh, yeah, so. So Long story where, short, got the call and got on the show. And where what where was the where they record? Uh, they did Baltimore that year. That was the Northeast region. Okay, so for those that don't know, what happened? Like, what's the story of how it all went down? Yeah, so um, I kind of want to preface this with I was so there's a, a separate league in Ninja outside of American Ninja Warrior, the TV show called the World Ninja League. And I was really at the top of my game at that point. Like training was going great. I was competing really well. Um, I actually got eighth place at world championships that February, two months before going on the show. Oh, wow. And then I got on the, on the TV show on Ninja um, and like stepping up on the stage. I knew like right from the start, my adrenaline was through the roof and uh, I just went out hot. I got through the first three obstacles pretty easy. Like the first one is just the steps and there's two upper body ones. And then the fourth obstacle was this series of spinning cones that you have to run across. And I just totally like just went for it. Didn't like take a second to think about which foot I should go where or whatever. And I had to make kind of a save, like a big jump to the landing platform, hit the landing platform, bounced off, fell back into the water. So 
it was just you know the the moment got the got the most of me I think and I've I had another chance at that course I 100% think I would clear it no problem um but yeah just the adrenaline the bright lights uh made a mistake and rushed it and you know you learn from that yeah, but I ended up I, I got 31st and the top 30 moved on to the next round so that was a little bit of a bummer oh so like even had you have gotten even if you fell but got there like 10 seconds before you may have been yeah 100 percent. oh that's so tough i mean that's so but like i'm glad you brought that up because after so after that happens like you go in the water and i'm sure you know clearly there's disappointment there what happens to you a month after that can you bounce right back up and did you have something else to shoot for or was that i mean that was something you'd been working for for years at that point did it did it sort of beat you up mentally for a while uh it did beat me up mentally definitely kind of like you know you're laying in bed at night and you're just replaying that moment thinking you know look if i could just do this one thing differently um but you just kind of have to let the past be the past and realize that there's nothing you can actually do about it to change it and so i just just went back in the gym and training harder than ever me and my friends just running courses all the time just getting after it that's the best thing you can do oh so even after this the film and the recording of the show then you went back into the gym and kept training as a ninja warrior oh yeah big time yeah it was still like i was i was ready for for the next year i was ready for redemption i love it so and you didn't was it a one and done it was so um i did get invited back for 2020 but we all know what happened in the year of 2020 um they ended up doing a much smaller production with um, just kind of like fan favorites. People have had success on the show in the past. Um, and they said basically, Hey, we know um, you were going to be on this year. Just apply again next year. Uh, we'll make sure we get you in. So did that 2021 applied again and just long story short, just didn't hear back from them. Um, so at that point I was kind of fading out of it. Uh, um, I had wanted to do, this thing called the Appalachian trail. And I was putting that on hold for 2021, expecting to get a phone call from Ninja. And when that didn't happen, I kind of decided that moving forward, I wasn't going to do things that were left up to chance. I was going to kind of do the things that I knew that I could just go out and do. So, yeah. That's, that's a big takeaway right there, by the way, hopefully everybody caught that, like doing things in your life that you have control of versus just waiting for things to happen for you or to you. I mean, that's a big takeaway. So you, you went out and did what you wanted to do versus waiting around and who knows, maybe you've just been waiting and waiting. Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't, didn't want to take that chance again. So I figured it, the Appalachian trail was something I wanted to do for a long time and finally had enough people say, you know, just, just go do it. So 2022 didn't, didn't apply for the show. Um, just decided, yeah, this is going to be my adventure for this year. I love this and I'm so excited to dive into this. You and I have talked a little bit about it in the past. I mean, I know American Ninja Warrior is like an extremely popular show and I'm sure that gets a lot of eyeballs when you when you say that. I think this Appalachian Trail story is something like I've never heard in my life. So can you share, first off, how long is the Appalachian Trail? Uh, so the Appalachian Trail is about 2,200 miles. It goes from... Uh, a little bit north of Atlanta, Georgia, all the way up into central Maine, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, 
yeah, goes through 14 states and it's it's a long way. 2200 miles and just so everyone knows this is on foot it's not he's not biking you're not in a vehicle you're on foot 2200 miles before we even get into how the experience was why why even do that like what hits you what makes you go i want to go hike the whole thing big part of it was just literally just from going out and hiking in New Jersey, being on the trail and kind of seeing the backpackers going through at certain points in the summer. And I didn't know too much about it. I knew it, was, it went through New Jersey, um, start doing more research on it and realized that those people are, you know, pretty much walking up the entire Eastern coast. And it was like, <laughs> that kind of sounds insane. That's something that I would definitely like to do at some point. Um, and really that was, that was about it. Started looking at like YouTube documentaries on it and just something about it was just captivating and kind of calling to me. And I just felt like I had to do it. And like, how do you prep for that? Clearly you're in, for those that don't know, I mean, Connor is in extremely good physical shape, but how, like, how do you train for a 2200 mile trek across the Eastern United States? Uh, just, just hiking a lot for me. I would go out with a weight vest or try to get used to my pack, just put some weight in it. Um, and then just, you know, backpacking trips just to make sure your gear and stuff is all dialed in, that you know how your tent works and your sleeping system's good and it's going to keep you dry overnight and all those little things just to make sure you're really dialed in before you go out and there's no turning back. I mean, there is back. You could bail out, but yeah. I don't see you being the type that's going to bail out. And <laughs> you, I didn't even think about that. How much, do you know how much weight you had on your back? So it depended on how much food I was carrying at the time. That's usually yeah. the, the biggest factor is probably somewhere between 20 and 30 pounds. Yeah. So 20 or 30 pounds, I'm sure maybe it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're, it's on your back for what months, right? Oh yeah. Oh, all, all day, every day. Yeah. the whole, Yeah. It's never not on your back. Basically. How yep. did you have a game plan of how long you thought it would take or a goal time? Or was it like, I don't even care as long as I do the whole thing. It was a little bit of the latter. Um, I knew the average person, they say it takes like five and a half, maybe six months. And I knew I hiked faster than the average person, but I didn't know how fast it would be. So I was kind of in my head thinking, you know, if I could go five months or less, I feel like that'd be, that'd be good. Shave like two weeks off of average. Um, and it ended up being just under four months. So 118 days. So did pretty well i got i got lucky that i had a lot of really good weather um a lot of people weren't that fortunate but yeah about four months so it's 108 what's the math on that 118 days to do 12 2200 miles do you know how many miles yeah. a day that is i think it ends up being about 18 and a half miles a day but that's including you know the the days that you have to go into town to resupply or days that you go and do shower and laundry and all that stuff so yeah well that's a good point were you hiking like six of seven days or would you take a day off or was it normally you're moving every day? So I took, they call them zero days when you do zero trail miles. Yeah. Um, I seven zero days over the course of the whole thing. Um, my first one wasn't until six weeks in, I did a third of the trail then took a day off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What's that like um, 700 miles, 750 miles? Yeah. Yeah. A little over 700. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, you take, um, you know, a lot of people, depending on fatigue or just how your body's holding up, you'll take rest, rest days in town just to kind of recuperate a little bit, get some good food in you. 
Um, but yeah, I just, I, I really, once I was out there, I just wanted to, to keep moving. It just felt good being out there. And you're sleeping most of the time you're sleeping under the stars in a tent. Yep. Yeah. I, they have shelters on the trail that you can kind of lay your sleeping bag out in and stuff, but I always slept way better in my tent. Okay. Let me ask you this. And I don't know if you're going to remember this or not, but night one or, or anything in the beginning, was there any point, maybe it was night five where you're laying there like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> attempt to, I need to hike another 2,150 miles. Like, did that ever happen? Or were you pretty calm the whole time? Uh, early on, I think it was more excitement. Like, okay, I'm actually doing this. This is going to be awesome. Um, people talk about, they call them the Virginia blues because Virginia is literally a quarter of the whole trail. It's over 500 miles. And it just, it can kind of feel like at times you're not making progress because you'll do a 30 mile day and you're still in Virginia and you're not, you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, I didn't really feel that, but I felt the mid Atlantic blues going through name, mostly Pennsylvania. Um, just because the terrain was kind of not the most exciting, um, you, dull you, miles. Watch what you say. You know, I'm filming this from Pennsylvania, right? Connor? I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> How many um, miles is Pennsylvania? Do you remember? 230, I believe. But it's like boring and there's not much to look at. Yeah. It's not, it wasn't like there was a ton to look forward to. I mean, for me, I knew that once I got to New Jersey, I'd be able to go home for, for a couple of days and just kind of hang out and see the dog and stuff. Oh yeah, um, so that's that's what was spurring me along. That I mean, this is so. What what do you what did you learn? Well, let me ask this: Was there any point during the whole thing where you were even remotely close to? I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't think so. Um, I think there were fleeting moments, um, but overall, I kind of figured the time is going to pass one way or another, and. Actually, I will say, um, and when I was in New Jersey, when I went home for a couple of days, getting back on the trail after that was definitely the hardest part. That was yep. probably the only the only time that I was kind of close to being like, you know what, I, I did thirteen hundred, um, but no, it, it was never that close. I didn't. I knew the time was going to pass anyway, and it was like, do you want to say that you hiked the whole trail or that you did, you know, a little over half of the trail? So that's once once I phrased it that way, it's, it's a no brainer. That's a, that's a good takeaway too, as you're describing that, is there some truth to it's, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like when you said you're going home in my head, I'm thinking comfort, like there, it was comfortable there. And it's like, do I really want to go back out and be uncomfortable for another two months? Is that part of what it was? Yeah, exactly. You know, you sleep in your own bed for, for a few nights. Um, you see friends and family, you're getting good food and it's like, man, you really want to go back out in the elements again, but you just got to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I'm like, I'm inspired too, because it seems like you do a great job of consistently keeping yourself uncomfortable. And, and I don't know about you, but I get worried if like using that as a metaphor, if I go back to my own bed, that could last two days, two weeks, two months. And now I'm 40 pounds overweight because all because of a few days. And I let myself get too comfortable. I love that you, you continuously keep yourself out of the comfort zone, man. I love it. Appreciate that. Thanks, man. Yeah. So, so you, you finish in Maine and is it like, I'm assuming it's not like there's fanfare and hundreds of people there. Is it just like, okay, I'm done. And then I'm flying home. Yeah. So that was, it was actually really weird that you bring that up. Um, 
you get to the top of Mount Katahdin, which is the highest point in Maine. It's this beautiful panoramic view. And it's a really popular day hike for people too, because it is this spectacular mountain. So I get up there and I touch the sign. That's like the finish line of the trail. And I'm like, you know, I'm tearing up a little bit. I kiss the sign and I'm looking yeah. around and it's like, nobody cares. Like people are just <laughs> out here enjoying their day. It was, it was kind of a weird moment, but um, there are a couple other through hikers up there who were doing the same. So you, you have a little camaraderie in that sense, but yeah, for the most part, it's just like, nobody knows that I walked here from Georgia, like over the last four months and that's fine. Like they're just out enjoying this beautiful day. So it's, it's cool. Like everybody's up there appreciating it in a different way. Yeah. I love that you share that part of the story. And if you're okay with me asking, cause I mean, I've teared up after a lot of different events, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes bad, but I mean, it seems like, was that, I want to make sure I'm not answering the question for you. Like, what were you feeling when you started tearing up? Why do you think that was happening? Um, I'd be lying if I said a little bit, probably wasn't relief. That's like, okay, this is, this chapter's closed, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think more of it was just, you know, this is the most remarkable thing that I've done with my life so far. It was just kind of this overwhelming sense of pride and accomplishment that was like, yeah, you've never done anything like this. I don't know if you'll ever do another four month journey like this, like spiritual, physical, mental, something of this capacity. So it was, yeah, just a pretty cool moment. That's a great moment. I'm, I appreciate you sharing because I'm sure that, I mean, that's got to be emotional after four plus months so what is i'm sure there's a zillion things you could you could think about was there a couple takeaways of what you learned about whether it's about you or about life or about how you want to live your life anything what takeaways did you get from the experience i think the biggest thing for me was just gratitude um not taking things for granted in daily life um when you're out there in the middle of nowhere and there's no running water like that you can filter for drinking water and it's like oh at home i could just go to the fridge and get a cup of water it's no i need to hike two more miles to get to a stream where then i have to filter the water and drink it um things like that just running water air conditioning heat um you know plumbing indoor plumbing it's just like all these things that we just go through in our daily lives and you don't really think about out there it just becomes that much more real and i think i still have that appreciation for all those things now. And I hope I will continue to, to not take them for granted. That's a, that's so well said. And I mean, just to dive a little bit deeper on that, because I, I've never done anything near what you did with the Appalachian trail, but like doing some things where you don't have running water, you don't shower for days. How, how do you remind yourself to be grateful? Like, does this Appalachian trail event you did do you think about it every day? Like, is it like when you go to the bathroom, you're like, wow, I can flush the toilet or you're in the shower. Do, do you think about it almost every day? Yeah. I don't think explicitly like in those moments every day, but it's definitely, it's, it's a huge part of me now. And I think even on a subconscious level, anything that I'm doing, going about my day, it's just, it's there. There's a little reminder in the back of my head that says, you know, this is, this is special. Don't, don't take it for granted. Yeah, I mean that that's especially doing it are you 29, 28? 28, yeah. So I mean you you're I mean you look like you're in the best shape of your life now, but I mean I'm sure especially age-wise like there's no better time to do it than when you did it, right? Like you <laughs> it's perfect timing on everything it seems like. Yeah, I think so. That was kind of the argument for people that I had been 
mentioning it to like, you know, why not? This is the time to do it. Just go for it. You certainly did. And you, you do that in so many areas. I have to share this story with everybody that's, that's listening or watching. So Connor, we were in Colorado together and we did this high ropes course and I'm hopefully I won't embarrass you too bad, but I, so this high ropes course, the normal high ropes course I've seen is like 20 feet up in the air. I don't know how high this was, but it had to be at least 40. I mean, it was, it was up there. And I just, I remember a lot of people overcoming fears, including myself doing, going across this sort of tightrope thing. Uh, you're harnessed in, but you're 40 some feet up in the air. And I watched you do it. And it, it just looked like there was no fear. It was all fun. I mean, you look like a seven-year-old kid just having fun that was three feet off the ground and I'm watching it and I'm thinking how do I tap into that and remove these fears in this one the fear of heights or maybe it's fear of failure or both but can you for those listening including myself were you ever fearful of things like heights and were you even fearful in that moment or and you can just play it off like it's easy or, or like help us help me understand. Yeah, I've never I've never really had um, uh, much of a fear of heights, I guess. Maybe like if I'm right on the edge of a cliff face or something and you, you look over and you kind of get that that weird like stomach drop feeling. Um, but yeah, with that one being harnessed in like I I don't know if it's an irrational trust, but I, I definitely trust all that equipment very much. So I've worked with cable and stuff like that before harnesses so i know like what they're capable of and i know like nothing's gonna happen um but yeah it was like you said it was just that was just fun for me that whole that whole part of the event was amazing and yeah i got up there and once i saw the ropes it was literally just like it was like a ninja obstacle just looking at me so i just grabbed the ropes and just kind of swung through and had some fun with it oh yeah i need to try to find that video i should have mentioned that so he i don't even think your feet touched that wire you were no <laughs> The entire way across these five or six ropes. I don't know if anyone has that video, but that was extremely impressive and a crowd favorite. We are highly enjoying that. Uh, but you're so I think I might have asked you this in Colorado. Your heart rate, if I would have taken it 20 minutes before climbing that tree and going across the ropes course, would it have been similar as when you were up there 40 some feet? Yeah, probably about the same, honestly. I think maybe a little elevated, but I I don't think my heart was racing or anything. I was pretty pretty calm up there, to be honest. All right, so how about somebody that has fear of heights, fear of fear of anything? Maybe it's public speaking, maybe it's starting a business. Like, how can they tap into overcoming that fear? Do you have any thoughts on that? I I really think the best thing is just to not think about it and just go for it because whatever the result is, is probably not going to be as bad as you think. Um, and once you get past that on the other side, you realize, you know, Oh, that wasn't that bad. And I'm capable of doing that. And I wonder what else I can do. Oh, that's so good. And even, even like American Ninja Warrior Appalachian trail, I know you've done a lot more 29029 Everesting, which is the event that Connor and I actually met at, do you do you have a obviously you don't have a fear of heights do, do you think about or maybe you don't even think about it to your point you just dive in do you have any fear of failure yeah for sure um i don't think you're human if you don't um but with that you know if you don't try 
if you don't try to fail, then you're never going to succeed. Um, or I don't know, try to fail is the right term, but if you don't take that risk and risk failure, there's never going to be anything on the other side of it. You seem like you're very good at, I mean, you've taken some big risks and I'm sure there's, there's more down the road. And I mean, it's just, it's really cool to see the types of things you're tackling. And to me, that's what I see. Like it's, there's maybe there is a fear of failure, but you're, you're going to try anyways, and you're going to give it everything you have. And you've ended up on the right side of almost all those risks. It seems like as of now, anyways. Yeah, man. It's good stuff. What, what about somebody who's, who's, and I don't know if you've ever had this before, but like feeling, and I get asked this a decent amount and I don't think I have a good answer. Somebody who's feeling stuck, like one of the, maybe they're in a routine, they're just doing the same thing. And they're like, I got to do something. Have you ever had that feeling of stuck? I need to shake things up. And if so, what do you do? That's a good question. Uh, I think the biggest example for me would be in college when I felt stuck in just the, the social aspects, um, didn't really know where I was going to go with that and found Ninja. Um, so I would say for somebody like that, just find, try to find something. It can be anything. Um, and you don't have to commit to it for a lifetime. Just go and take a class, take a couple of classes, see if something sticks. And if you find out that's not your thing, you can try something else. There's, there's so much cool stuff out there and keep trying new things and, you know, something will, something will catch your eye. Something will interest you. That's a really good point. To that, to that point, do you remember, did you try anything before Ninja to get out of, I, I don't want to call it a rut, but maybe you're, you're calling it being stuck or was it just, you, you were blessed that the first thing you tried was that. I started rock climbing a little bit before that, oh, yeah. um, which, which I'm sure helped translate to Ninja with the grip strength and everything. Um, which rock climbing is awesome. Love to do it here and there, but it, once I did Ninja, it was just, it was a whole another world opening up. And that was, I knew that was the thing. Yeah. That's, that's well said though. Just try something. And if you try that and it doesn't work, then that's okay. Then try something else and just keep trying things until you start to really enjoy something. I think that's a great takeaway. Absolutely. That's really good advice. Okay. So you and I were talking about this a little bit beforehand. You're, as I've stated before, I mean, Connor is <laughs> you're probably 1% body fat. I know that's probably not even feasible, but you're shredded out of your mind. The guy is unbelievably fit. You're doing pull-ups in Colorado on what looked like you had about a half an inch to put your maybe <laughs> fingernails on this ledge and you're cranking out pull-ups. And I, I just want you to share because it's inspiring to me that you're, what types of workouts do you do to get into that, kind of shape and just keep your body and mind performing at max capacity? I really do like to do a little bit of everything. Um, a lot of it is high intensity based, um, either every minute on the minute or AMRAP style um, with weights, with body weight, um, whatever it is. Uh, every day I'll try to do just some kind of movement, whether that's something in that capacity or getting a run in, getting some miles in, um, usually multiple times a day. Um, but yeah, just high intensity, a uh, little bit of strength training here and there a couple of days a week and yeah, just keep moving. And, and is it how, how much time commitment would you think you spend? And I don't mean like when you're prepping to go Appalachian trail, like day to day, 
nothing, you know, crazy that you're prepping for. You're just prepping for life. Like what about time-wise? What's your normal ish amount of time you spend? For like for a workout or just Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably probably in the ballpark of two hours a day. Half of that's probably some kind of thirty minutes to an hour of high intensity, um, some kind of quick hit based workout. Um, then some other kind of more endurance style thing, whether that's uh, rowing for a little bit, running, hiking, whatever it may be. Yeah, I love how I just the takeaway I'm getting from when now and when we were chatting real quick before is you just switch it up. Like there's no if if I recorded your workouts for three weeks, I would never find one that was exactly like the one before. It seems like anyways. Yeah, there's really no pattern. Um, change it up day to day. I mean, I still it's it's not like it's just randomized and unstructured. I'll still try to hit, you know, each muscle group different times throughout the week and base my workouts kind of in that sense. I'm not just, you know, oh whatever, let's do do this today. <laughs> but yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, you're working different muscle like you're not doing chest hard today and then chest hard again tomorrow and exactly yeah. yeah there's a little variety but you're also not on chest day or whatever it is you're not doing three sets of 10 on the bench every time like you're switching yeah so doing chest will be different variations of it one day it'll be a push-up and pull-up workout one day it'll be benching and um yeah just different modalities to do these different things keep the body guessing yeah i love it i i, I was i i asked most people this and i know you and i chatted about it but like when i think about i almost laugh looking at this question of what is next for you and i'm like you like you just gonna circumnavigate the globe on foot <laughs> and swimming or like what do, do you have do you have anything in the holster that you that you want to accomplish in the next few years um there is one thing i've been working towards uh i want to do the highest point in all 50 states so on the mm. at you hit a bunch going up the east coast and then in my travels this past summer i did a bunch more so i think i'm at i'm at 27 now um oh, so it's there already yeah so it's starting to be like oh this could actually be a real thing in the next few years um logistically it's just difficult because some are kind of in the middle of nowhere hard to get to um but yeah i think that would be something cool to, pers to pursue over the next few years I wonder if there's like groups on Facebook or whatever that have of people that have done all 50. Is this like a thing? Yeah. Um, there's like a high pointers club. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think too many have, I mean, I say too many, there's, there's a few hundred who have done all 50. Um, but it's, yeah. I mean, when you get out West to, I mean, obviously Alaska, you have Denali yeah. looming out there, which would be a whole <laughs> undertaking in itself. But, um, yeah, eventually start getting some some actual mountaineering experience and work up to that. I like that. I like that a lot. All fifty. I didn't. I don't think I knew that. All right. And then now, now you're saying last question, and then we'll we'll wrap things up. But I maybe this is more a, a selfish question, but I'm curious to hear what you're gonna say. I feel myself a lot. I love exercise, but I'm a gym rat. Like I love being in the gym. And talking to you, it inspires me. And, and we've done a lot of this, you and I, with a group. But getting outside seems like you do a really good job of that. And I almost feel much more energized if I'm outside versus inside. Do you think, and I don't know the science behind it or anything, but do you feel differently if you're spending an hour outside exercising versus an hour in a gym? 
Yeah, 100%. And like you said, I don't know the specific science behind it, but I know there's been a lot of work that's gone into that and how how drastically different the outdoors can make you feel. There's just something like instinctual about it, something primal that the humans need to be outdoors. Just even if you can get outside and just walk through a park or you have some trees nearby just to hang out there. I think it, um, it really helps. I think there was some study. Um, I'm probably going to butcher this, but they were looking at like hospital recovery with patients Oh yeah. and people who had no view of the outdoors, like no, direct view out to like trees or sunlight or anything recovered more remarkably slower than people who did wow, I, could, I could be making that up but i'm, I'm almost <laughs> positive i heard that somewhere i wouldn't be surprised now you you're gonna have me googling once we're we stop that that's that's really interesting yeah i need to i i mean i really need to get outside more anyone that's listening to this that's always inside that's you're so right and i and i i want to acknowledge you for this too because I think you do a great job of this. When you're outside, you're not watching a YouTube video while you're outside. You, you seem like you shut it down. And when you're outside, you're present and you're outside. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. That was one of my big things on the AT too. Um, so for those those four months, um, I really made it a point that my phone was nothing more than a camera and my map. And uh, otherwise, um, I was in airplane mode. Um, I didn't listen to music, podcasts, audiobooks. Um, it was just kind of me and my thoughts. I would flip it on at night just to send a text out. Hey, this is where I am. I'll, I'm all good. Uh, but otherwise, it wasn't wasn't used for anything more than that, which was an amazing reset. I mean, that like as you're saying that, I'm thinking that's basically a four month meditation. Is I mean, that's wild. Yeah. And so have you have you heard of the uh, the twelve hour walk, Colin O'Brady? Yeah, his I've thing? heard of it. Yeah, it, it was funny because when he came out with the book, it was like just after I got done with the trail, and I was like looking at, I was like, I don't need, I don't need to do the twelve hour walk. I just did that for four months. <laughs> When's your book coming out called the Four Month Walk? When is that? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a great point, though, and I love how you didn't have any outside, you know, phone, any of that stuff. You were just. Because I think about that a lot, even as something as simple as most people, not most people, but a lot of people going to sleep with the TV on. And I'm thinking how much better sleep could they get if they just if they shut it down and left themselves with their own thoughts for 10 minutes before drifting off? Yeah, I think you're totally right. There's definitely something to be said for that. Yeah, you, you're you can you feel that that also helps with you being present day to day? Like did that four and a half month? span is that part of it too yeah absolutely i i really I, i've never been awful about being on my phone but i kind of felt like i was getting to a point where it was starting to be a little much that it was kind of impacting my day-to-day -day. and then just having that hard multi-month reset when i came back i've been i feel like i've been really good about not just mindless hours scrolling so yeah. definitely been good and i'm just i'm just thinking for people listening it's, I, I feel like these takeaways you're giving them are so powerful and it's not, I don't think they have to go hike four and a half months to, to get what you're giving them, which to me is like, maybe somebody from Thursday to Sunday goes and camps out and doesn't have their phone on them unless it's for an emergency. And it's like, I feel like to a lesser extent, but similar takeaways are for that person, myself included, three days may feel like three months without your phone and using it. And I think that's like that little 
sort of solo retreat could be a big reset for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It doesn't have to be on a huge scale, but take a little bit of time just to get outside or get off the phone or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, for you, it does need to be on a big scale, but for <laughs> the rest of us, normal people, it can be, on, it can be on a lesser scale. <laughs> hey man, I, I love this. You're I've, I've said this to you one-on-one and I mean it like you're an inspiring young guy and like the stuff that you're doing is crazy in the best way. And, and by the way, for those that don't know, Connor is so humble. You wouldn't get these stories out unless you asked him a lot of probing questions and then he'll share the story. And I, I love that about you. I admire that, that you have just sort of a down to earth, humble way about you. And I think it just, it draws people in. I knew it draws, it drew me in and I love it, man. So congrats on all you've done and whatever's next, including the 50 highest peaks in the U S I can't wait to see it. Appreciate that so much, my man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks everybody for listening and we will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you enjoyed the show to follow on social media, at Matt Scaletti on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Feel free to shoot me a message, reach out. I'd love to hear feedback and wishing you an amazing rest of your week.